Good morning, GRC. Uh, my name is uh, Marcelo Choi, and I've attended GRC for almost uh, five years. Uh, during this time, my family and I have been abundantly nurtured by uh, both spiritually and emotionally by the staff, the leadership, and the many friends we had made here at GRC. Uh, unfortunately, this past July, I notified the church that I was leaving GRC, uh, you see. Uh, ever since moving to Glenrock, my Sundays uh, mornings to church amounted to more than 40 minutes each way, assuming there was no traffic. As such, it became challenging for me to visit GRC, to pray, or to participate in an event on a whim. So despite being comfortable here and easily content in attending GRC, we felt that it was important to contribute more to God's kingdom and decided it was more feasible to do so someplace closer to home. Uh, in response to my notice, they asked me to share a great story, which is the least I could do for all those great stories many of you have shared with me. So here I am sharing my most recent great story. Uh, let me start with an example of how I often used to pray to God. Uh, while living in New York City, I would have to navigate the streets to find parking. Many times I ended up taking the subway home after I found a parking spot. At one of these nights, I circled uh, the usual routes for almost an hour, wasting enough time and gas that would have made more sense to just pay for parking. As I was uh, giving up desperation, uh, as I was giving up hope, a desperation suddenly set in. I felt the urge to go to the bathroom. Uh, bracing for what was impending, I started sweating, and uh, most importantly, fervently praying something like this. I said, God, please help me find a parking spot. <laughs> I promise not only to go to church every Sunday, but to be early, <laughs> to, even, to even teach Sunday school, and to call mom after. Before I could finish this prayer, suddenly and miraculously, a car turned its light on, and left this spot open for me. At that moment, I returned to my prayer to God with, never mind God, I found the spot. <laughs> I mean, uh, this joke could have been funny except for the fact that it was not too far off from what I used to call my prayers to God. Most of my life, whenever I needed something, I would naturally call out to God for help. I guess I, try to, I, guess I could try to blame the prosperity doctrine that was prevalent in my immigrant com community that I was raised in, but that would not be accurate since I now understood it, it resulted from my own stunted Christian growth. I was raised in a Christian household, was familiar and well-versed with biblical, uh, biblical principles, but selectively chose only to practice those that I was good at, like Bible study, or those I liked, like praising God. Somehow I missed developing a healthy prayer life. I failed to daily meet God in secret and didn't bothered to listen to God after I rented off my wish list of the day. Yet God, despite my inadequacies, would answer each and every prayer, not always with what I wanted, but more importantly, with what I needed. Uh, this is really hard to acknowledge, the foregoing statement, when at the age of 14, the first death I, I personally experienced was of my father, who passed away certainly due to a stroke. All I can remember that day was negotiating with God to extend my father's life one more year, one more month, one more day. Uh, so I could just say thank, thank you and say that I loved him one last time. I never got that chance. But in that paradox we are asked to believe and are called to participate in, Christ dying on the cross for our sins, conquering death, overcomes all human logic, and certainly my own. Looking back at the toughest times in my life thus far, I can say that God many times didn't really answer my prayers in the affirmative, but always I cannot deny God's presence and love for me. Most recently, during my term at GRC, I had the opportunity to further develop my prayer life. My wife and I met each other late in our lives, 
and therefore we really sprinted to start a family as soon as we could. We were fortunate to conceive rather quickly, and all was going according to my plan and ahead of my schedule, when suddenly Nari's bro uh, water broke and the baby boy we were so eagerly waiting for was going to be delivered prematurely. As usual, in times of calamity, I called out to God for help, but instead of praying my usual, take this burden off me, Lord, I could only muster, God, help me take care of this newborn in whatever condition he may be born with, and forgive me for my wrongdoings and spare my, life's, uh, my son's life, I ask. God, as usual, was merciful, and despite spending two weeks in the NICU, Alan came home to be enjoyed by us. He was really small and had several minor issues, but seemed to be hitting his milestones, and everything was going well at the Choi family. 14 months later, uh, after Alan was born, Phoebe was born, and we felt very blessed in 2016. We finished the year with Nadia and me both getting a promotion at work, buying a house, selling an apartment, all in the span of three months. Everything appeared to be hitting on all cylinders, to a point where both our believing and unbelieving friends were attributing our success to God. We were obviously thankful to God, but didn't want to fall into the trap where such thankfulness was solely dependent on being materially blessed. We were tested on that commitment the first quarter of 2017, when during one month we got news that Nadi needed to take a biopsy in her breast. Nari's mom was, uh, was really, her health was quickly deteriorating. Uh, Alan needed early inter intervention due to his lack of eye contact. Work was becoming unbearable for both Nadia and I, and I was, uh, I was developing a debilitating case of a pinched nerve. During this time, we prayed dutifully to God for God's strength and peace, and not merely for solutions. Our trials brought us closer as a family, and more importantly, closer to God. We tried to be equally thankful to God during these trials, as we were as we were during the good times. At one point, I accepted the fact that I was going to live with the pinched nerve for the rest of my life and thank the Lord for giving me this thorn in my flesh so that I will forever be reminded of God's grace and my need to rely on God's peace. Through God's providence, all of the foregoing burdens were eventually lifted from us, except for Alan's condition. After a few consultations, tests, various other programs, we managed to get Alan tested by a pediatric development specialist who diagnosed Alan as being in the spectrum. We asked at what range of the spectrum Alan might be in. The doctor responded that he was likely somewhere in the middle. Honestly, Nadia and I were really devastated and at loss for words. I was then reminded of a prayer that I made to God the day that Alan was born, which was when I asked God for help us in caring for Alan in whatever condition. That prayer eventually brought me peace in our hearts and resolved to never cease praying for the strength and peace to handle Alan's condition. To my surprise, the more I learned about autism, the more the Holy Spirit convicted my heart in diagnosing my own Christian self with a form of autism. We probably offend some parents who have kids in the spectrum, but the such statement, I'm just saying that I too was not engaging God in proper spiritual behavior by acting out if something didn't go my way. I too was not able to communicate properly with God because I could not comprehend his words and properly speak when I had not developed the proper skills needed from my daily reading the Bible and entering his presence in prayer. I realized the very frustrations I had with Alan at times paled in comparison with what I presented God this past 30 plus years. This uh, past 30 years, I failed to honor God by only working diligently at the things that mattered to me and not to God's kingdom. 
I was too consumed in my own self and the world most of my life and failed to acknowledge God's presence many times, who was just simply always standing there in front of me, calling my name, wanting a relationship with me. Yet God was and is patient with me so that I may be able to realize my own shortcomings. It took something negative, like my son's autism diagnosis, for me to realize this and to be aware of my spiritual disease. As of today, Alan's getting much better and further along, uh, much, much more further along than what we expected. We remain hopeful and pray that he grows to be a strong Christian in God's eyes, much like the Old Testament Samuel, which happened to be the passage I had the privilege of reading uh, during my Bible read through this, uh, earlier this year. We know God gave us a wonderful son, and we'll continue to enjoy him as God intended us to do so. For me, I have continued to lean on God on a daily basis and ask for his help in maturing as a Christian. I have to learn to pray more for God's kingdom and less for my daily provisions and to attentively listen to his will. Thank you. Father, thank you for this brother. Thank you for your work of grace in his life. Thank you that you meet us wherever you find us, Lord, and all of us are far from you. All of us on our own, by our own nature, are spiritually dead. Even when we're followers of Christ sometimes, Father, we just get in this rut of going through our own thing. But Lord, you met him in that place. He used severe mercy in his life to open his eyes to his condition and uh, Lord, you're at work. You're at work. We would pray for him, for Nadia, uh, Father, for Alan, for Phoebe. We pray that you would continue your work of grace in their lives, strengthen their faith, deepen their affection for Jesus, help them to experience more and more of your presence and rest in you. Lord, as they transition to another church closer to their home where they live, Lord, we pray that you would give them uh, great community, community that they can do life with because they live in so much closer proximity, Lord. We pray that it would be a church that would invest in them spiritually and that they would be able to contribute their gifts for the kingdom. So, Lord, continue to work in them, work through them, bless them, help them to be a blessing, and, uh, Lord, give them all the grace that they need each step of the way. We thank you for our brother and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. This pulpit's getting more and more packed full of stuff. It's harder to slide things in. Well, I suggested earlier that Marcelo's story is an example of how God uses difficult and challenging things in our lives to get, to, to get through to us when the comfort and status sensitivity of, of where we may be at the time. Marcelo grew up in the church. He grew up believing the Bible, practicing those aspects of his faith that were comfortable to him and things that he enjoyed, but truth be told, uh, not being all that intentional about pursuing God. God clearly had been growing him all along the way. Graciously, despite his rel uh, relative lack of pursuit of God, we see movement and, and spiritual sensitivity throughout his story that he shared with us. But it was particularly when God used his son Alan's autism as a, as a mirror 
to show Marcello a form of spiritual autism in his own heart. It was then that the work of grace penetrated even deeper in his heart, his life. When I read Marcello's story, the phrase that came to mind to me was a phrase that I first read in in C.S. Lewis, and the phrase is severe mercy. It's actually the title of a book by Sheldon Van Aken, and it's a story focused on the tragic death of Van Aken's uh, wife, the struggle that he went through in order to try to understand his faith, his God, his pain, his loss, and, and much of the wrestling during that time is recorded in the letters that Van Aken wrote back and forth with C.S. Lewis at the time, and, and those are published in the book. And it was that correspondence that Lewis wrote in that correspondence that Lewis wrote suggesting that, that this man had been treated, treated with a severe mercy. Like the wounds created by a scalpel to cut away cancer, God used the pain and tragedy of Van Aken's life to deepen his experience of God's presence and to, to make him more like Christ. And, and I saw a similar kind of severe mercy in Marcello's story. This idea of severe mercy reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, which is the text I want us to reflect on this morning. You can turn there in your Bibles. It's on page 980 in the Bibles, in, in the chairs in front of you, or you can follow along in the screen. This is God's Word. 1 Peter 1, verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for Marcelo's story. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word helps us make sense of our stories. And so, Lord, teach us by your spirit today. Encourage us wherever we may be at, Lord, whether we're in a difficult time now or whether we've come out of one or, Lord, inevitably they're ahead of us as well. None of us, uh, none of us escapes this life from, from hard times. So, Lord, encourage us in those times, for those times, from your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this passage, I want to share with the time that we have remaining uh, two ideas. I think here we see that Peter gives us perspective on our pain, and it shows us God's purpose in our pain. So let's think first perspective on our pain. Peter is honest about our pain in this passage. He, he says that it grieves us. Their griefs, they hurt Nobody gets out of, out of life clean, right? We all suffer. We all lose people that we love. We all, we all have disappointing setbacks. Mar- Marcelo and Neri went through an especially difficult time in early 2017. He described it in his story. Health issues, concerns for family members, stress at work, concern for their son, And God doesn't ask us to put on a fake smile and pretend that everything is okay because that's what good Christians are supposed to do. We can be honest about the grief that we feel. 
But the scripture is telling us that we can rejoice even as we grieve. And Peter's not talking out of both sides of his mouth when he says that because our experiences of the distresses of life, that experience is fundamentally altered through the hope that God has given us in Christ. Earlier in the passage, verses 3 through 5, Peter explained that though we were dead in our sins, though we were separated from God, God has given us as a gift new life through faith in Christ. And because of what God did back then to save us, our future glory, uh, the apostle says, is, is a living hope, an inheritance that awaits us in heaven. We are heirs to a perfect world where there will be perfect relationships and meaningful activity in the presence of God forever. It's everything wholesome that your heart longs for in the context of a perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationship with one another, and and the world around you as well. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. There will be no injustice, or disease, or autism, because God will make everything new. It's so glorious that Peter can only describe it in negative terms. He can only say what it's not, because its, it's reality surpasses our present ability to comprehend. He says it's imperishable, and undefiled, and unfading. It's also certain and guaranteed because God himself in his almighty power secures it for us. Not only is our inheritance kept for us, we are kept by God for our inheritance. If you're a believer, nothing can be more secure than your salvation and your future inheritance because you are protected by the very power of God. And so part of our perspective in these hard times is to be honest and objective about our pain, but to do so in the context of remembering our salvation and looking forward to our future hope. Two little phrases give us some additional perspective. Back in verse 6, Peter says, now for a little while. Compared to other people, um, your distress may seem like it lasts a long time or or maybe just a short time, right? You may have temporary, though difficult, setbacks, or you may be dealing with a lifelong condition like autism. But compared to eternity, these things are a blip on the screen. The second phrase is, so that. We see this in verse 7, where it says that these trials in our lives have come so that. That's a purpose statement, It speaks to intent, right? God has a purpose for our pain, a plan for our pain. Later in chapter 4 of 1 Peter, Peter will say this in verse 19. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, suffer according to God's will, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Suffering according to God's will makes no sense to us. Why would God will it? Because he has a purpose for it. It's a severe mercy. 
And so let's think about the purpose in our pain. No Christian suffering, friends, no Christian suffering is merely tragic. It's not meaningless. It's not an accident. It's a means to a greater end for you. There's a purpose in your pain because God is using it to do something that when all is said and done, at the end of the day, is for your good. And verse 7 explains that in God's design, our pain is like the fire that refines gold of its impurities. When the gold is melted, the impurities float to the top and can be removed. Uh, When the refining fire is over, the gold is even more valuable, and so it is with your faith. And we see this in Marcelo's story. Uh, We see it uh, illustrated in his prayer life. He describes the way he used to pray. It's a funny story, except that uh, to the degree that it reflects where he was and his sensitivity towards God. The way he describes the way he prayed was largely in selfish terms. He prayed when he needed something. He didn't spend time meeting with God. He didn't bother listening to God after he, as he said, ranted off his wish list for the day. It was all about him and and what God could do for him. That's true for all of us, isn't it? At some level, we, we, we may have faith. We may be followers of Jesus. We trust God, but there are impurities in our faith. We're not home yet. We may be focused on ourselves and our wants like Marcella was. Um, we may be pessimistic. We, we may have tendencies to trust money or position or popularity in the place of God. All of these idols and immaturities are like dirt that are mixed together with the gold of faith. They hinder us from experiencing God as fully as we would otherwise. And so God refines our faith to wean us off of everything that is less valuable, less supreme than God himself. Marcelo said that he was consumed in self and the world most of his life, and he failed to acknowledge God's presence. He said that it took something negative like his son's autism diagnosis for him to realize just where he was in his relationship with God, to to be aware, he said, of his spiritual disease. But realizing the truth about us doesn't need to lead us to despair. In fact, if we preach the gospel to ourselves, it does the opposite, When Marcelo recognized that his spiritual condition was what it was, when he understood himself more clearly, he remembered and reflected that God was patient with him this whole time. Despite all of his shortcomings, God loved him anyway. God caused him to be born again to a living hope, verse 3, and God's power was protecting his salvation along the way, verses 4 through 5, even when God was continually refining his faith over that time, verses 6 and 7. Each of the earlier blessings and challenges that he and his wife experienced in their lives, as well as the, the most difficult challenge with Alan, resulted in bringing Marcelo to the place where he has a deeper longing to grow in his faith. Uh, he, he desires to enjoy more of his relationship with God, to prioritize the kingdom of God and not so much his own kingdom, and as he said, to seek God's will. 
These are things that God is doing in him now because of the severe mercy that he experienced. God uses our pain to make our faith more pure and genuine, to make our hope in the new heavens and the new earth that much stronger, to increase our dependence on him, to break us of our self-reliance and self-effort. And the result of all of this working of God in our lives is love, faith, joy, and the hope of heaven. Look at verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Christ. My prayer for you would be that, that you would realize and recognize the hand of God in all of your circumstances, even those that have been hard. That, that, that you would recognize that apart from a God who injects meaning into pain and, and has a plan to, to redeem it at the end of the day, apart from that, your pain is just tragic. It has no purpose. But if there's a God, or we could say because there's a God, he can turn pain to some good now while giving you a living hope for a resurrection to come, an inheritance, a glorious inheritance in the age to come. And so I would encourage you, see God's hand in your circumstances. Trust Christ Experience his loving presence and purpose for your life. If you're a follower of Christ, I hope that you're encouraged by Marcelo's story and, and the scripture this morning. Don't wait for God to use his severe mercy to wake you up and draw you to him. But even when those hard times inevitably come, know that God is working to refine you and work in you a faith that is of greater value than pure gold. Let's pray. Father, it's so easy for us when we experience suffering to think that you're not there, that this is evidence that you don't exist. But Lord, we thank you for your scriptures that are so brutally raw and honest. They don't pull any punches and they show us a broken world and they teach us how to make sense of it. Lord, our only hope is if you are there. Our only hope is that you're working all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, our only hope is that you are able to make the crooked straight. And Lord, we thank you that you can use any of the circumstances in our lives, and Lord, often the most difficult ones, to do your greatest work in us. Lord, increase our appetite for Jesus wean us off of everything that would distract us from the pearl of great price, the treasure that is worth all. Lord, we thank you for Marcelo, for his family, Lord. We pray for them, but we pray for ourselves as well. Lord, that we would have our hope in this resurrection ignited, reignited, inflamed. And Lord, you would help us to press through the difficulties of this life with the hope that we have as well as your presence with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.